Hello and welcome to How to CEO. I'm your host, Murray Newlands. The world has changed. You chose to become a CEO. You can crash and burn, or you can succeed and build your wildest dreams. Getting there is hard. You need to know uh, how to personally manage that. You need to know how to manage teams, build a great product, manage the teams that you've managed to pull together, as well as somehow grow that um, market, that market segment, communicate that, and have a great outcome. But don't fear, we have all the tools, the knowledge, and the experts you need to know in order to be successful. Today, I'm speaking with one of those successful entrepreneurs, Andrew from uh, uh, Skybell. That's, that's how I know you, Andrew Thomas. Um, we've known each other for a long time. I know it's been a, a long journey for you. Um, you, it's, I know you've been doing Skybell for about six years, and yeah. um, it's, been a, it's been a successful journey, but also a, a long, hard journey. Uh, Andrew was telling me just before we, uh, just before we started recording that he's made over $100 million in sales over the last six years, which is an incredible number. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on. Uh, when, did this, when did this journey of Skybell start for you? Well, thanks for having me, Murray. It's great to be here. Um, the, the journey started in 2013. We launched Skybell. Uh, we came up with the idea, I think around April, May. We launched an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign in August. So only like a couple months later, we ended up raising $600,000 um, in our 30-day campaign. And it was a smashing success you know, right from the hit. We got the validation that we were looking for. Got some early orders from that campaign. Uh, we were covered by TechCrunch and Fast Company, um, and, and so it, it went pretty quick. We, you know, we believed in the idea from the beginning, and a lot of our early investors said, "Oh, you got to got to have the whole smart home, the locks, the lights, everything." And we said, "No, I, I don't think people wake up just needing their entire home to be smart. Like they want one product to do one thing really well." We believed in that strategy, so that's why we went to Indiegogo, so we didn't need investors. Um, and, and the, and the people spoke, the people voted with their wallets. So we, uh, raised that money, we used it to make the product. Uh, a couple months later, we had a partnership with Apple that was announced at their WWDC event when they announced their smart home plans. Um, and I worked with Amazon to get our product up very quickly on Amazon, Best Buy. And so that first, you know, six months, well, the, really the first like two, three years, but that first six months was exciting. It was moving fast, a lot of early momentum. Um, and I, I just created that Indiegogo campaign by looking at other campaigns, trying to see what successful people did, taking the good parts and, and, and avoiding the bad. And, and that's how we started. So started really quick right out the gate. And so was this your first company or did you have other companies before? This is my first company. Wow. You know, the pre-Skybell uh, days for me were, were a personal roller coaster. I think I've mentioned it to you, but um, you know, when I was in my early mid twenties, I suffered from depression and was not, uh, I was a, I was a financial planner working a job I hated. I was in a relationship that was, that was pretty toxic. Um, and I was depressed and I would go to TechCrunch every day and read about these great entrepreneurs. And I would, I would tell myself that I wasn't good enough to be on TechCrunch. I will never be on TechCrunch. But deep down inside, I wanted to be a tech a CEO. So long story short, like around 2026, 20, my grandmother passed away and I saw her take her last breaths and I like snapped out of 
this depression because I realized life is short. So I changed my life around, started meditating, worked out, got my health back, um, read a ton of books, like every business book I could find, every mindfulness book I could find. I started surfing. Anyway, long story short, I'm meditating and I just knew I needed to be a CEO. I needed to be an entrepreneur. I needed to create something. And then it was probably three months later that my co-founder came to me with the idea for Skybell. He's like, do you want to start this doorbell company, video doorbell? Let's revolutionize the front door. And I said, great, this is perfect. So I had, I had no uh, startup experience. I was a, a freelance consultant um, in SEO, online marketing. I worked for Google search team right out of school. And I was, I was doing that and then I went back into finance because I thought I was supposed to do that because my dad was in finance. So there was a, it was a, this is what I'm supposed to do moment. Um, and then luckily I, I, I snapped out of it and went back to tech. And now six years later, uh, I live in San Francisco. You know, we've built a, a great company and, and I'm just in the world of tech and I, I love it. I'm happy. Talk to, talk to me about, uh, to us about some of the highs, some of the uh, successful moments. Yeah, the highs are great. Um, the highs, you got to enjoy the highs. But for, for me, it was, you know, creating an Indiegogo campaign. It felt like possibility. You know, I, right. I feel like anything could happen. And, and when I clicked, you know, launch on the campaign, I went surfing and I come back. No one's ordered. That next night, no one's ordered. And then Engadget wrote a story about us. And then wow. the next day we have like, you know, 20 grand in there. So um, I think when TechCrunch wrote about it, like to, to be depressed, like working a job I hated, saying I'll never be on TechCrunch. When, when my photo was on TechCrunch, it was a pretty special personal moment for me. Um, but the other highs was closing deals with um, Comcast, Alarm.com, Honeywell. Anytime you close a big customer, those deals take a long time. And so when you finally get that deal and that paperwork back, it's a special feeling. Um, I would say that one of the best highs was the first time I saw a Skybell in real life that's, you know, in the wild. Um, and then we had a number of stories where Skybells have helped stop burglar burglaries as they happen. Or um, one Skybell's motion sensor figured out that another house was on fire across the street. And so when it alerted the, the homeowner with the Skybell, he was able to call 911 and get a, get a, fire truck over to the house um, because they were on vacation so there's just these little moments where your product starts impacting people in a positive way and that really is is the best the best moments the the money the success is great um but impact feels much better yeah yeah and um so the other hard, the flip side of that is uh, yeah. the, the hard moments what kind of personality does it take to be a successful founder CEO. Oh, I mean, it takes resilience. Um, the lows are feel lower than the highs feel high. Um, and, you know, there were a number of moments, you know, there was a moment, you know, when shit goes wrong, and, and you lose any hope, just like there's possibility in the beginning, you will hit moments where there where you lose hope that there's no logical way to get out of the situation. And you end up lying on the ground, like in the fetal position for a couple hours um, in a dark room by yourself. But uh, you get out of it because you, you need to believe. So what do you need? You need resilience. 
You need the resilience to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You need the faith and the trust in you and what you are doing so that, you know, when you don't have hope or belief, you can just say, I trust that, that I should. I'm going to trust and fake basically belief and hope. And I'm going to keep waking up and I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, it takes sheer willpower and determination. When, when your back is against the wall, you have to create the, the thing that breaks down the barrier. Um, there's multiple reasons why we should have failed. And we just didn't. People ask, how did you do it? Was it some magic way? It was like, no. Sometimes you find out who you are. And I would say, trust yourself too. We're far more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and in the discomfort comes opportunity, right? Discomfort is right. not a bad thing. We try to avoid it, but sometimes it, it helps. So, and then who do you go to? Who do you go to? Is it your co-founders first, and then people outside? How do you? Um, who do you go to when things are going wrong? Yeah, I, I mean, if you can't go to your co-founders, I don't know why you're in business with them. You know, right. you, you got to rely on them. You're all in the boat. I mean, you're, you're in a sinking lifeboat, basically. Everyone's got to be bailing water. Everyone's got to be, you know, paddling and, and moving fast and hard. And you're kind of all in it together. Um, I mean, who did I go to? It, like, I have, I have coaches. And so on a mental, emotional level, um, staying mentally fit is part of the game. You know, we don't yeah. think about that. We, we always think about X's and O's, like how to be a good CEO, like what tactics do it take, leadership. A lot of this is like ownership around your mental and emotional well-being so that when things get bad, you don't fall apart. You know, the biggest and easiest thing, the trap, the biggest trap is entrepreneurs, we start to believe that we are our startup so that when things go wrong, we start to think that we are wrong, that our worthiness is, is diminishing, that it's a reflection of us. And it's not. Our companies are byproducts of our creative freedom and power. We have created this thing that is separate from us. So keeping your identities apart is very important. You do that through you know, mindfulness. So I would go to coaches. Um, we did have advisors and, and they're really helpful because they're just sort of in the bleachers watching and they can give you that sort of big picture advice where, you know, they say, keep going, it, it'll turn around, like it'll shift. Um, but here's another thing. It might also not shift. You might die. Your company might die. Um, and embracing that outcome is, I think, just as important as keeping the hope that it will survive. So when things are, are dead, you got to realize, or things are, 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 are you know, bad. If, if your company were to go down, it's not the end of the world. Like you right. learn some lessons. Um, you have some more experience. You've met more people. You've demonstrated that you can fight and that you can be resilient. There's a lot of stuff there. So it's almost like there's an extra layer of fear that comes with it. Oh my gosh, what happens if, if my company goes down? It's like, well, what happens? Well, you'll go start another one or maybe they'll, the next one will be better. You know, maybe right. who knows? So you don't need to bother yourself with that. Stay focused on the problem. And I think advisors are helpful there. You know, just stay focused on what you're trying to do. Don't bring the extra layers of meaning and, and stuff that just bog you down. And how do you keep your employees on track while you're going through this roller coaster? Mm, that's challenging. You know, 
I think employees, they want to see that you are, are, are working, that you are on, not on top of it, but, uh, there's an ownership employees like everybody want to see people who do what they say, not what they say that they're going to do and then not do it. So when things go wrong, you are, are you, there's a microscope on your leadership and they're paying attention. So if you say everybody's bailing water and you're not, they're not going to stick around. If you're not truthful and transparent about the problems, um, they're not going to trust that you've got solutions. So it, it, it's when things are great, these things aren't as, as important. When things start breaking down, these things are absolutely vital. So they're starting to look at you and say, um, you know, what's Andrew doing? What's Joe and Des doing? And in my case, I was working harder than everybody. Um, that was when things are bad is 110 hours a week. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard. And when employees see you doing that and they see emails coming at 3 a.m. and you're saying, I'm trying as hard as I can, and they know it, they're going to show up. And they all did. They're all like, we're in this together. Like, we're behind you. We're not going to work, not, you know, 100 hours a week. But, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to work. And they did. And if they didn't, we wouldn't be here. So I think it's about setting an example through your leadership and action and uh, taking ownership of that. And what advice would you give to a, a younger you uh, trying to get to where you are today? Um, like, you know, like a 20 year old version of yep. me. Yeah. Um, my gosh, so much. Um, you know, that version of me lived in a scarcity mindset and I had really short term thinking and you know, just to be candid, like I was really early into SEO and I didn't fully capture that opportunity because I didn't think big enough. I didn't think where this whole industry was going. I was like, Oh, if I get another 5,000 person contract, like $5,000 contract, then I can, I can be okay. You know? And I would wish that I could have just relaxed, seen more big picture, not felt like the tinge of scarcity so much or fear and just open up and say, you know, what's happening around me? What's trying to emerge? What, what are the currents doing? Ooh, this like web is getting more popular. Everybody wants websites. Everybody needs search engines. This isn't going to slow down. Like I can take my time and actually invest into building an agency or to getting more teammates. So I think that scarcity is fear. When fear drives your decisions, you're going to make small decisions. You're going to make decisions that don't serve you. You're not going to make big, bold moves in the universe. And I wish I had known that. It would have been a different experience for me. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, that sense of fear, right? Letting fear rule my life. I would, have, I would have spoken to him about that. Life is, you know, life is short, but we have time. Life is difficult, but there is abundance. You can't create what you want. And... I wish I had had oriented into possibility and into, you know, into joy, the joy of being able to get up and like create businesses, the joy to like get to work and work hard, um, use vision to, to build something cool. Yeah. Now you obviously sold that vision that you were able to raise some money uh, for your startup. How did you, how did uh, having that vision translate into uh, uh, convincing investors? 
Yeah, that's interesting. We we actually didn't raise a lot of money from venture capital, and and I was you know I'm a co-founder um, of Skybell, but uh, you know Joe is our CEO, so he he was very dilution averse, and so we raised a uh, some debt, um, more debt than a normal hardware startup would would raise, uh, but we still raised you know cons- tens of millions of dollars, and we did raise you know some capital. But so what we did is we looked at other opportunities to, to, to get money. So we did Indiegogo. We also took money from strategic partners in our supply chain that are incentivized, you know, to, keep, to have us make more units. We're hardware companies. So there's people throughout the supply chain that were willing to, you know, write checks. Um, and then, you know, in terms of like your average investor, that's a game of hustle. You, you just have to have a lot of conversations and you never know which conversation is, is going to end up working, you know? So you've got to go into every single one of them with the same optimism and the same vigor and the same intention. The hundredth meeting has the same energy and intention as the first meeting, you know, and go talk to everybody. You're going to hear a lot of no's. You've got to be resilient. Um, in terms of tactics, I believe it's really all about you and how you present. Um, and so I see a lot of founders making mistakes. They, they interrupt the investor when they're asking questions because maybe they've heard the question a hundred times and they're tired of it. Um, but that person hasn't asked it a hundred times. You know, this is the first time. So don't interrupt people. Don't interrupt investors when they're asking questions, even if they're stupid. If they start talking about your competitors, don't freak out. That's great. Like use that. Thank them for the questions. The best book, in my opinion, for this is is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale. X's and O's with raising money. And yes, you need to know about term sheets and 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 different mechanisms that they use. But you're not going to get a term sheet if they don't like you. Yeah. So my intention for my first meeting with investors isn't actually to get money. It's to build likability and trust. If I can be likable and trustworthy, anything is possible from there. If I'm not likable or trustworthy, there's no, there's no moving forward. So that's what I try to focus on. Who are some uh, other uh, founders, CEOs who you admire in the, in the ecosystem that you work in? Mm, in the eco, in my ecosystem, yeah. Jason Johnson at August um, is great. Um, mm, there's a number of good ones, um, but uh, the person I admire the most right now is the founder of Patagonia, right? Yvonne Sherard, I, I believe, is his name. He, he's, he, he, you know, um, I, I believe that we're ready for a new definition of success in in business in Silicon Valley, and you know, you've got Zuckerberg and Travis Kalanick with like grow at all costs. And there's obviously some fallout from those sorts of leadership styles. Um, and I see, you know, the CEO of Patagonia has proven that you can build a company that stands for something, has impact, is philanthropic, gives their employees great perks um, and makes a lot of money and great products. So I really admire him. Um, no, oh, that's 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 uh that's an excellent. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, Andrew, thank you very much. Yeah, you're very welcome.
I'm Murray Newlands. You're listening to the How To CEO podcast. If you've got questions, if you need help, we'd love to hear from you. If there's CEOs who'd love us to interview, we'd love to hear from you. Please subscribe and I'll see you next time.